0: Alright, so we've been in a series on Genesis. How many of you were here last week for our very first week in Genesis? Alright, so we're starting a series called The Story of God. Last week we talked about creation, and what we're doing in this series is we are working our way through the great stories of the Bible. And the reason the Lord put this on my heart is because for so many of us, the Bible, it's this big book It's this old book. It can be kind of an intimidating book. And so there's a lot of stories in the Bible, and maybe some of them you've never read before. You've never heard anybody talk about before. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at those stories. Others of you, you know, maybe you heard this story 20, 30, 40 years ago at some VBS when you were gluing macaroni on a plate or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's like your only conception of the story. But for for all of us, there's a, a truth and a power in these stories. And so what, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to see the beauty and the power of our God. And we're going to look at these early stories here in Genesis. And so we're going to have eight weeks. Last week we talked about creation. Today we're going to talk about the creation of Adam and Eve. And you're going to see a, a theme statement for our series on the screen, our main theme. Here it is. it's that this is our God's world And the God who made the world will save the world. That's what we're talking about in this series. This God made this whole creation. He made everything good and right and perfect. And then even though this story got off track, our God is committed to making this world new. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be human. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 2 today. Genesis 2, verse 7, when you get there, say hallelujah. All right, if you see it on the screen, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Look at that, there it is. All right, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit. I like to read in context, but for the sake of not reading too many verses, we're going to kind of skip around a little bit, it'll all be on the screen. Genesis 2, 7, this is the creation of Adam and Eve. Then Yahweh God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Verse 18, then Yahweh God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then verse 21 and 22 says, so Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that Yahweh God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. All right, so here we have the creation of Adam and Eve, the the very beginning God makes this whole world. Last week, we talked about creation and how God spoke everything into existence, right? Let there be light. Boom, there's light. 186,000 miles a second is the speed of light. Let there be an expanse in the waters and let there be dry land and let there be animals and beasts of the field and birds in the air and and let there be plant life and all these things, right, spoken. Now here's, here's the difference between you and me and everything else in creation. Here it is. Everything in creation was spoken into existence by the power of God's word but humans are totally different. I like how it says here that he he formed man from the dust of the ground. See, the difference between you and me and everything else is that you and I were literally shaped by the very hands of God. And I love this picture here. This isn't God distant, a million miles away. This is God with his hands in the dirt. This is God with his hands deep down in the stuff of earth, and he's forming and he's shaping and he's fashioning, he's molding all these different words that we see here so that you and I are literally made, crafted by the hands of God. And this is not just, well, you know, that's nice for Adam and Eve, but, you know, I was just growing in my mother's womb. That's not actually the case. Here's what Psalm 139 says. David said, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, there's this crazy idea that not only Adam and Eve were literally built and shaped and molded by God's hands, but so were you. Friends, see, if, if there is no God, and this is why this Genesis series is so important, if there's no God, then you and I were just some random chance We're some random thing that has no meaning, that has no value. But if, if you and I were formed by the very hands of God, that means something. And so there's two things here. Every human being is made up of two things. Number one, we're dust. This is a good reminder. I don't know. I I knew I wasn't going to get any amens on that one. No hallelujah is on the dust part, all right? It says, He formed man from the dust, from the dirt of the ground. And you see, this is a powerful reminder. And this is not just some kind of random idea in Genesis. This is a, a scientific idea that the same atoms, molecules, chemicals that make up us, that make up this, this flesh and blood, make up everything else in creation. You and I, we're we're the stuff of earth. We are part of God's world, and yet we're a part of God's world that's made by His very own hands. The second thing that we are is it says God breathed the breath of life. You'll see a word here on the screen, ruah. It's the Hebrew word for breath or wind or spirit. It's the same word that all the way back in Genesis 1-2, like we talked about last week, where the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Anybody remember that? It was the ruah, the breath, the wind of God. It was was blowing, it was moving, it was stirring over the waters. And here's what I love. That same Spirit, which was preparing creation over the dark, chaotic waters, that breath, the wind of God, has been breathed inside of all of us so that we came alive. Every human being, Every person that you've ever met in your life, from the very beginning of your life, God has deposited a measure of his ruah, of his breath, of his wind. Now, if you can remember these two things, you will simultaneously be a very humble and a very confident individual. And most people who wrestle with their identity, they are missing one of these two things. Some people forget that they're dust, and they walk around with pride and ambition and arrogance, and they walk around like they're better than everybody else, and they've forgotten the fact that they are made of the dust of the ground. Others of you, listen, you walk around, the only thing you know is that you're dust, and you need to know here today the very sacred Spirit of God has been breathed on the inside of you. You walk around with this insecurity and this low self-esteem and I'm not good enough and I don't know how to do things like other people do and I'm not successful and I wanna tell you friend, your life matters, your life has value before you do anything, before you accomplish anything. Your life is not built, it's not based on how much money you have, on what kind of job you have, on what kind of house you live in, the greatest value you could ever have is already yours, because from the beginning, the Ruah of God was breathed into your soul. That's who you are, friend. From the beginning, Adam and Eve. And there's this word here for Eve, helper. Now, now, sometimes we don't like the word helper here, but... Let me tell you about the word helper. It's the word Ezer in Hebrew. And it's used around 100 times in the Old Testament, 50 times roughly. It's used to describe a warrior giving aid in battle. So if I come to Jason's aid in battle, the the fellow soldiers working together, that's Ezer. The other 50 times, it's roughly used to describe God being the helper of Israel. It would say that that Yahweh is, is the divine helper, the rescuer, the sustainer of Israel. So here's why I love this. And the only other time it's used is right here in Genesis 2 to describe woman helping man. Here's the beauty of this. This is not like, you know, woman, you're the helper, go make me a sandwich. That's not what this is about. This is Ezer, this is Helper, this is a warrior fighting with you in the battle. This is the supernatural help that comes from God alone. That's a good word, friend. That man and woman together, made in the image of God, formed from the dust of the ground, and breathed into their nostrils the Ruah of God's very Spirit. And so Adam and Eve together, warriors together for the purposes of God and for the glory of God Adam and his helper Now I want to back up a little bit to Genesis 1 here. Here's what it says in Genesis 1:26. This is God talking about how he's making human beings. It says then God said, "Let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion." Somebody say dominion. Do you have dominion? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. How many of you know we have authority over the creeps? Come on now, in Jesus' name, all right, (laughs) and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Some of you, that's the only thing you're going to remember from this whole thing. Something about a sandwich and creeps, all right, so (laughs) good. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, so here's this, this beautiful passage, this really cool passage, about man and woman being made in God's image. They're given dominion over the world to lead and to rule, to exercise God's wise and loving leadership over his good world. And so that's, that's the story. That's what you and I were made for, to be made in God's image. Now, for the people of Israel, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. For the people of Israel, every nation around Israel was surrounded by people who worshipped idols. People would make idols, gold and silver, wood and stone. They would, they would build these idols as they were, they were the image of God, that if you wanted to see what the gods of the Egyptians looked like or the, the gods of the Romans or the gods of the Babylonians, if you wanted to see what they looked like, they would have these idols. Now, the Jewish people, they were these, these crazy, weird people who, who they were totally unbelievable to the ancient world, and here's why. If you went to a Jewish person and you asked them, hey, Tell me what your God looks like. Where, how does this work? Where is he? The second commandment says you shouldn't make any images. And not only images of the idols, you shouldn't make any images of God. Now here's why that's crazy. God doesn't want you to make any images of himself because you already are the image. The second commandment, don't make any images of God. And even today, right? You don't see pictures of God. You see Jesus, right? But you don't see pictures of God in movies or in artwork. It's a violation of the second commandment. No, no images of God, no depictions of God. And the beauty and the power of, of Genesis 1 is that God sets Israel apart from every nation on earth. He makes them different. Because he says you don't need to build some gold statue to see what I'm like. You don't need to have some little figurine in your pocket or some shrine that you can go to. Everywhere you look, God's whole creation is bursting with his images. He stamped his very likeness, his very icon, his very presence all over the world. And listen, you're not just some statue showing what God's like. You have the very Ruah of God, the life of God inside of you to show the world what he's like. If you want to see what God is like, look in the mirror. Look at the person next to you. Now I know some of you, you're giving a little bit of elbow there. Like, you don't know about the person next to me, Joey, right? It's crazy. It's beautiful. That God doesn't need these these images of himself because creation is full of his images. That's the human calling. And you have to understand this here. In In a culture where everybody just says, well, create your own calling, do whatever you want, follow your heart, I want you to understand, you will find your calling right here in Genesis 1. Now, it looks different for everybody, my calling doesn't look like size calling and his calling doesn't look like Dom's calling. Everybody's calling looks different, but it fits within this frame of Genesis 1. It's built on this foundation that I'm made in God's image. I'm dust that's literally formed by the hands of God and filled with His Spirit and given dominion over the earth. That's your calling, friend, to be the image, to show the world what God is like so that when the world looks at you, they see God. When the world looks at you, they see that must be what God is like. And so, to be the image of God means leadership, dominion. That you and I, we take care of God's world. That even before the fall, even though creation was perfect, Adam and Eve had work to do. They were put in the garden to bring beauty and to bring life, to bring order. That's your calling, friend you and I, we can take the things that God has given us and we can show the world what he's like. You're the image of God. The Bible talks about how human beings, we are kings and priests on the earth. That's the kind of authority that we have. Have dominion. Dominion's not like, you know, take management. Dominion. If there's a level of authority that you and I walk in because we're made in God's image. And so that means your royalty. That means that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and you have a measure of His Spirit placed inside of you. And I know, listen, when, when life's hard and we're busy and we're caught up in the grind and we're trying to get to the next paycheck and stuff's happening and our family and stuff's messed up at work and, you know, our bodies aren't what they should be, we walk around so defeated, so broken, so backwards. And I want to tell somebody today that you have the Spirit of God inside of you, that you have dominion given to you from the Lord, from the beginning. You don't have to earn it. He gave it to you in the beginning. You have dominion. You have authority for a victorious life right here and now. It's yours in Christ Jesus. It belongs to you. Before you ever do anything, God said, Adam and Eve, here it is. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you dominion over my world. Some of you don't realize the power that you walk in. It's like when Pharaoh enslaved the Egyptians or uh, uh, the Israelites because he was afraid of them. They were growing, they were becoming too numerous, and he was afraid of what they would do to the Egyptians, so he enslaved the Israelites. That's what happens. It's that the enemy sees the power, he sees the authority, he sees what we walk in even better than we do sometimes. The enemy knows the power that you wield more than you do. So here's the thing, not only are you royalty, every person you've ever met in your life is royalty. And I know that's not a fun one. Some of you are like, Joey, you don't know about the people I meet. See, this idea of the image of God is the very foundation for human rights. Not just the rich and the powerful. Not just people with reverend in front of their name. Not just people with status or influence. Every person, because they've been made by the the hands of God and filled with His Spirit, They have an inherent and innate value as the images of God. And so that means the the youngest person in the womb to the oldest elderly person, from the richest person to the poorest person, whatever race, men and women, young and old, doesn't matter. No matter who you are or what you do, there's a value that you carry because you're made in the image of God. And this is a challenge to us. And the Bible has all kinds of hard things to say for people who talk big game about God and aren't really that nice to people around them. Read the Bible. It's all about yeah, how you have to take care of the, the immigrant and the orphan and the poor and the widow. How you and I treat people whose society overlooks really matters to God how you and I treat people that, that people don't like, the people have shunned, that people have turned away from, the people that really rub us the wrong way. The Bible's full of these verses, right? James 3. Some of you who are in our house churches, you remember this. James says, with our tongues we bless God and we curse people who are God's image. That's a hard one. First John says, if you say you love God who you cannot see, but you don't love your brother who you can see you're a liar. Ouch, James. Stop sugarcoating it so much. Proverbs says, when you give to the poor, you give to the Lord. How does that work? When you give to another human being, God sees that as you giving to himself. Jesus said, what you do to people you consider the least is what you do to me. Here's what what Beth Moore says. Beth Moore's a a fantastic Bible teacher. She says, be careful what you say about people. The people that you can't stand are people God made, and he has a way of taking those things personally. I love that. This is what we do, right? Oh, God, I love you. I worship you. Praise you as City Alive all the time. I read my Bible. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, and it's like, beep, 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 and that's not the horn, right, okay? Okay? We get frustrated, we get angry about the people we work with. We get frustrated, we we get angry with the people in line in front of us at the store who are taken forever. We get angry with the people who are in our own house. Uh Uh-oh. That's just the truth. So here's what we do. Oh, God, I love you. God, I worship you. We bless God and God's images who are all around us. We treat them like crap. Here's the thing. Here's what the Bible says. The way you treat God's images is how you treat Him. Not only are you royalty, not only are you made in His image, you have this unbelievable authority, dominion over the earth, filled with the very breath of God, the wind of God. And yet so is every person around you. There's a sacredness to life. There's a sacredness to this human existence. And that makes us different, that makes us set apart. Now I gotta, I gotta land this plane here. And usually I'm trying to cram in so much it feels like we just go full speed ahead and crash land every week. But here's, here's what I wanna say to you as we close. This is the beginning of God's story with the world. Everything is good, right? He looked, he saw, and it was good. Day one. He looked, he saw, and it was good. Day two. At the end, day six, he said, it's very good. What does God do? He makes Adam, forms him from the dust of the ground, breathes his spirit inside of him, makes this amazing helper named Eve. Hallelujah. If you're married, say amen. Amen. Here's dominion. Here's authority. Here's leadership over the world. You are my image so that when the world sees you, they will see what I'm like. God makes this whole thing good, right, perfect. Now, I don't have to tell you this. It didn't take long for us humans to completely mess it up. It's what we do. Some of you would say, Joey, I'm, I'm looking out on the world doesn't seem very good. I know you're telling me people are God's image, not seeing it. How does this thing work? How does the story turn out okay? And we'll talk next week about the fall. We'll talk next week about how Adam and Eve led the world into sin. But you see, the story doesn't end with Adam and Eve messing it up and all of us are just stuck in their wake. The Bible tells us that in Jesus Christ, God has launched a new creation. I want to read you a couple verses here as we close. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. One more, Colossians 1, 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Here's why this is powerful. What sin does, and we'll talk about sin more next week, what sin does is it corrupts and distorts the image of God that we were made for. So instead of reflecting God's glory to the world, we reflect violence, pain, greed, pride, self-centeredness, And so this beautiful reflection, this image that you and I have to show the world what God is like, it gets distorted. And that dominion that we had over the world is taken away because we become enslaved to sin. We lose our our dominion. We lose our authority. We lose the power that we have from God. We trade the very Spirit of God for things which are not God's and we become empty and hollow inside leading to death we see the the good news of the gospel is that when Adam and all of his followers all of his descendants all those who came after messed up God has sent a new and better Adam named Jesus Christ and even when the first Adam failed the new one comes the first Adam brought death to the world, but Jesus, the new and better Adam, brings life. So here's what I want you to think about today. We all know Jesus is the one true God. Absolutely. Every other God is an idol. Here's what I want you to think about here as we close. Not only is Jesus the only true God, he's also the only true human. And here's what I mean. Sin corrupts us. It enslaves us. It distorts that image. And so sin makes us less human. It takes away our our human vocation and our human calling. You see, the New Testament presents Jesus not only as the one true God, although absolutely, but he's also the only true human. Here's what Colossians says. He's the image of the invisible God. Jesus did what Adam could not do. He was the perfect image of God. Unlike when the world looks at you and me, we try our best, but, but that image is distorted a little bit. It's colored, it's broken, it's fractured. But when the world sees Jesus, it sees a human being who is the perfect image of God. In Jesus, he comes and he takes dominion over his world and he rules and reigns. The risen Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. He doesn't just rule over the world as God. He rules over the world as the new Adam, who has dominion over all things on earth. He's the new and better Adam, who gives life instead of death, who gives freedom instead of bondage, who gives healing instead of corruption. And here's what we see: final verse, John 20:22. 20, the risen Jesus appears to his disciples. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's Genesis 2 all over again. He looks at people who are dead in sin, people who are lost, people who have given up their dominion, who've fallen into bondage. They have nothing left. They have no health, no strength. They can't do anything to fight back. They've traded everything in bondage to sin. This is what sin does, it empties us inside so that we have nothing left. We don't reflect the image of God. And here Jesus, the new and better Adam comes. And he's launching a new humanity, how does he do that? He does it just like God did in Genesis 2. He takes people who are spiritually dead inside and he breathes his spirit into them.